Yo, what's up, Justin? What's up, brother? Another amazing day? Yeah, no doubt, man. I mean, today is uh, one week from the day that uh, Maryland started to, I guess, crack down on this whole coronavirus thing, man. And uh, it's been interesting just to see what has been a result of that. Um, like, what kind of stuff have you kind of, like, noticed about the changes of daily life since then? Um, well, it's funny because I just met up with a brother who came up from D.C., and him and I were doing a video. And um, it's crazy because, like, my mindset was like, hey, you know, we're going to go somewhere and we're going to, um, you know, sit down and eat and talk. But then it dawned on me, I'm like, wait a minute, none of these restaurants are doing dining. So I was like, oh, snap. So that kind of changed the dynamic. And um, we ended up going back to my place, you know, and talking there. But um, it's just interesting because now you see um, people really having to really reconsider the whole mindset of what it means to spend time with people, what it means to um, – hang out and have community because now you don't have the typical go-tos that people would usually go around. So now you, people spend a lot more time with their families, people. I mean, I've even seen some people, they're going on more nature walks and outdoors. I'm like, these are people who typically never going outdoors, but now that a lot of stuff is shut down, it's kind of caused people to reconsider. Like, let me go back and remember, you know, kind of the basic, um, basic things of life, you know, yeah. So, yeah, how's it been on your side, bro? Well, it's ironic that you said it that way because, I mean, I've been listening, I've been looking at people, and I have also noticed this whole thing where people are outside walking around. Like, I saw some people coming off mm -hmm. of a trail yesterday. But, I mean, not that I hadn't seen people on trails before, but it's just that it's almost like you see people doing more organic stuff rather than the typical I'm going to this place and I'm going to hang out with these people and this kind of thing. Now it's like it's causing them to think outside of the box, you know, and mm -hmm. then they're trying to figure out other things they can do to still enjoy each other's company, but it just not be the way that they were used to doing it. And um, right. I was talking to my cousin earlier and I was like he was like man just imagine if we lost electricity <laughs> oh my goodness I was like man I don't even want to think about that one because that's crazy that's a real major thing for us especially those of us who are used to electricity and you know that's where we how we do most of the things we do you know um right and uh so I mean <clears throat> I'm on the uh, I'm on the end of this where I'm like this. I I believe that we need to be, you know, mindful of what we're doing out in public. Basically, how we are, you know, you might have to be more mindful of what you touch, like, and then mm -hmm. where you put your hands after you touch it, you know, stuff, stuff like that, you know. <laughs> um, so I mean, I'm a little more mindful of that. Even though before all this hit, I would still, you know, not touch certain surfaces or whatever anyway. Um, mm -hmm. But, um, you know, it just makes you wonder, too, if people who, because I'm going to tell you, man, like, this might sound close to some people, but I've seen men walk out of the bathroom, not wash their hands, and not, they just use the bathroom. 
and they right. walk out like it ain't nothing. Like their stuff is clean, pristine, and bacteria free and all that. So they don't need to go wash their hands. <laughs> and I'm like, are you kidding me? And then you gonna touch the handle when you go out the door? You know, like stuff like that, man. Like it really bothers me, man. So I wonder if yeah. this has made people like that think, okay, maybe I need to wash my hands now. You know what I'm saying? Like that should have been something that they would have to think about. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's just crazy, man. But um, but in the in the in the climate that we're in right now, you know, there's a lot of people that's walking around in fear, like you were saying earlier. Um, and the thing about it is. We have to realize that those of us who are believers, we should be wise about what we do, but at the same time, we should not walk around fearful of what we do. And the thing is, like, you know, we can take practical steps and and what we, you know, how we handle things as far as what we touch, what we do after we touch those things, you know, how often we wash our hands, how often we put antibacterial, whatever, hand sanitizer on our hands, stuff like that. So I believe those are things that we should definitely be mindful of and that we should not take for granted. But at the same time, we should not walk around fearing, you know, so, um, but there's some things, man, that I was thinking about, and I did talk about them on social media a little bit already. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. I've been thinking about the fact that, you know, some of these things that are happening, if you look at history, there's certain things that's kind of repeating themselves. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. Like we could look back at, uh, for instance, in America, when 9-11 hit. There was a lot of fear of people going out to public places and, you know, if someone has a bomb strapped to them, if there's a bomb in a bag or whatever, you know, stuff like that. So for a while, people were leery of going out to public places for that reason. And um, yeah. and then they were looking at certain kind of people in a weird way, you know, like if you look like you were from the Middle East or whatever, people were really leery of you then. And um, yeah. so it's like, and I remember there was, uh, you know, a lot of comedians kind of making fun of that part, like where they would say, you know, if it was an African-American comedian, he's like, yeah, man, man, they took the pressure off of us, you know, <laughs> and now it's yeah. on somebody else or whatever. It's your turn now. But, um, you know, stuff like that, man. I know that um, they've been kind of doing that. I, I saw this one video that I posted as well. Uh, my man, comedian, he's a comedian. His name is Chris. And uh, he has this thing where it's a, a guy in all, you know, the blue stuff, like the blood, I mean, the Crips wear. And um, he's standing up outside, and he starts coughing. <laughs> he's coughing. And then somebody is driving by in a red car, and they got their red gear, and that's a blood. And he pulls out this this uh, Lysol spray can, and he starts spraying down oh, yeah. the block as the guy's going, and the guy starts running away. Man, it was just so funny, man, when I saw that. But, <laughs> but you know, um, so I, I appreciate stuff like that, you know, the making, you know, making light of the situation and um and you know the thing is we understand um that there are people that are dying from this unfortunately you know mm-hmm. um however we also know at least most of us know if we're watching tv on the news that a lot of the people who are passing away unfortunately they already had pre-existing conditions most of them and they are older yeah. people typically and stuff like that but um 
<clears throat> that doesn't neglect the fact that, uh, I mean, that doesn't mean that we should neglect the fact that all of us should be, you know, taking, doing our due diligence to, you know, keep each other safe in whatever way we can in that sense. Um, yeah. So, but, you know, um, there's some things that I was thinking about that uh, I think that are something to at least consider. You know, some people might hear what I'm about to say and they might kind of blow it off or whatever, but others might listen and kind of really pay attention. Um, but I just mm -hmm. wanted to point out the fact that just before, and when I say just before, we're talking about over the months, but just before this really became an issue, this was something where, especially in America, I'm going to say, um, China had been, you know, they had their things that they were shipping out to America heavily taxed by America. Yeah. And that kind of thing, I know for a fact, caused a reaction from the government in China. Now, some might, people, some might listen to this and might think, oh, man, that sounds way out there or whatever, but I believe it's possible, absolutely possible, that a communist government could then take that type of a, uh, an action as a somewhat of an attack and then have a way that they try to be vindictive about it and turn it and flip it around, knowing that something that they do can affect the U.S. economy. So mm -hmm. I, I, I believe that it is definitely possible, and I'm not giving any definites, but I'm saying that it's possible that they could have said, you know what, it's time to unleash this coronavirus, and that's going to affect this, this, and this. I mean, and then you also think about the fact that during the time, um, some months back, when the protests started in China where they were trying to get democracy and they shut down airports and all this other kind of stuff um, as a sign of they were tired of communism. And it's like that to me could have also been another thing that caused this thing to pop off and, you know, like, oh, let's, let's release this. This will shut that down, you know? Yeah. Um, and I know that some people listening might think, oh, that's crazy. That's, that's too far out there. But is it, after all the things that we've seen that governments have done over hundreds and even thousands of years on this planet, is it really that far-fetched that a government would do something like that? Mm -hmm. They need the people, people at this time really need to think about some of these things and realize that there's, there's a such thing as an evil government, evil leaders, people that don't yeah. care, they don't care about other people. They don't have a heart. They are heartless. They are cold. They're killers, whatever, you know, that they exist. Mm -hmm. Those kind of people exist out here. And so it is quite yeah. possible that that happened. But anyway, um, I know that you had some thoughts on some things, Ben. Um, tell, tell them about what you've been thinking about. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, just to, just to kind of comment on that real quick, you know, without getting into too much uh, conspiracies or whatever, but I think what we all have to understand is that the nature of everything has changed in recent years. Like, if you look back maybe 40 years, even less than that, bullying was seen as something that was primarily in person. Um, 
relegated to schools and, you know, youth communities and even to some extent, you know, um, older communities. But now you have this whole, quote, unquote, pandemic of what we call cyberbullying. And so the um, same tactics, the same methods have moved uh um, online, you know, you had espionage as far as, um, you know, government uh, operations were concerned where, you know, it was all um, in-person spying and espionage and, and, and um, you know, um, you know, secret. And, you know, you would go over to another country and get intel and now. But now, largely, a lot of that has moved online with online defense and intel and cyber hacking and digital security breaches and, and stuff like that. And, um, you know, so everything has evolved over the years, and we live in times where a lot of this stuff is, unfortunately, in the digital world. On the online, you know, you don't have so much as people sending bombs back and forth. Where I mean, that still happens, but now, you know, you're sending viruses or you're sending chemical warfare or biological warfare. And so, I mean, um, so what you're saying has credence, whether or not, you know, it's it's true or whatever is happening. That That's just a reality that a lot of people have to come to grips with is that a lot of this stuff that we're um, seeing is just um, a modern spin on a lot of ancient um, ancient tactics and warfare that has been going on since the beginning of time. And basically we're leveraging technology to our advantage or to our own peril. So that's really real. But um, yeah, just the piggyback off of that. But just to go into what I was thinking of earlier was that the church I think is in a very pivotal moment in, in um and I don't want to say pivotal moment history because you know somebody uh commented on one of my posts and was saying, Well, hasn't this isn't this just the way it's always been? And I was like, Yeah, I'm not saying this is anything new. My point was that trials and, and, and uh situations like this distresses, they they are recurring, like there's nothing new under the sun. That that was actually something that I said in my post. But my point was that the reason, one of the main reasons trials come is to expose the wheat from the shaft, is to expose God's way from from our way, you know, the way we say things ought to go. And I think that this is caused, you know, kind of like we were talking about uh, with the way people get together and hang out with their families and enjoy life. Um, it's causing people to reconsider more organic, more natural, more um, uh, long-lasting and engaging methods of human interaction. And so now the church is even being challenged to say, okay, the way we, you know, define church, the way we've defined a service, the way we've defined all of this stuff is now being challenged. And it's just funny because a lot of congregations are starting to go back to like biblical foundations where they say, okay, well, we can still meet in our houses. We can still meet house to house. But that's the way it's always been from the beginning of the church, from its inception. And so now the church, I believe, is being really challenged and called to go back to the most fundamental, um, the most fundamental uh, expression. Yeah, I think that's what I'm looking for. The most fundamental, the most biblical expression of the church as an organic people in an organic community. We're not tied to a building or to a location or to a time of day. We're, this is literally an everyday thing. And it's crazy because um, one thing that um, uh, I had brought up um, on my Facebook was that um, – uh, 
you know, because you had a lot of debates, you know, people saying, well, you know, um, this church is wrong because they didn't shut their doors, or this church is wrong because they're still meeting this way or that way. But here's the thing, to, to um, just get through all of them arguments and stuff, we actually have a biblical commandment of what we ought to do in times like this, because... You had leading up to the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, you know, which happened in AD 70, you had a lot of buildup and a lot of anticipation for that day. You know, it was even in one sense called the Day of the Lord, like a lot of other big biblical events in history were called the Day of the Lord. But anyway, um, the writer of Hebrews says that, um, you know, let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together and more so as you see the day approaching. So the writer of Hebrew, his perspective, his or her perspective, however you want to say whoever wrote it, their perspective was that believers ought to gather together more often as days got worse. And as we saw things getting worse and worse in the world, that was their perspective. And so um, that's just something for the church to to think about. I'm not saying you should violate legal mandates, you know, if you can't have a public gathering open, that's fine. But we really need to reconsider what it means to meet house to house, what it means to um to to be the church rather than have church and really what it means that we know they shared all things in common. They were um, you know, worshiping together and, and, and all of that stuff. All of that stuff is becoming very real and tangible again because now we're saying, Okay, well, jobs are shutting down and people can't work like they used to and so now people have to pull together resources, have to pull together money, have to pull together houses and stuff like that. And it's sad that we're being forced into it where at the beginning of the church it was more organic. We just you know, we do life together. This is who we are, we are the body of Christ. And so I just think that um, that's interesting. But then another thing, I'm sorry, because I kind of got off track. But another thing was just that churches responding in fear, like believers responding in fear is something that is really needs to be addressed because, for one, we have to understand that our kingdom is not even from this world. It's not of this world. It 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 it, it has no bearings. Um, I mean, you know, the world doesn't have any bearings on it at all. So I'm just so, so well, I'm not surprised, but it's just disheartening to see believers respond in such fear and in such um, melancholy. I guess that might be another word for it. Such timidness. Whereas we should respond actually in boldness and in faith and in and in and in, in a ferocious response to the situation because the world is taking themselves and hiding themselves where the church should be stepping up and stepping out to the plate where you see even businesses like Chick-fil-A giving the, giving out resources and food and help to those in need. And that's exactly yeah. how the church and us as believers individually, you know, I'm not saying you have to have even a hundred or thousands of dollars, but we should still be going out, still preaching the gospel, still feeding the sick, still help I mean still feeding the hungry, still healing the sick. It, the, none of that should change for us, you know, because it's it's crazy that I, I was I was speaking. We were on the streets the other day, um, and um, one, one thing that the guy said to me it just struck me. He was saying that you know when they he said this with tears in his eyes. He was really distraught or whatever, but he said um, when they shut everything down they shut us down, you know, and people don't understand that for the homeless, things are even worse than it is for people who, um, you know, who have jobs and who have, um, 
you know, houses and, 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 and cars and stuff like that. It's even harder for them. So we can't forget about the, that. We can't um, just all of a sudden hide somewhere in a bubble when we're called to be the light of the world. It's no way um, we can we can say we represent the kingdom of God and respond like that. So I've just been, um, you know, really just kind of disappointed to see so many believers responding and talking just like the world. It's just really, it's, um, <laughs> it's sad. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things about a situation like this, it really shows you who really trusts God and who doesn't. I mean, that's really what it comes yeah. down to. Um, but I know for me, I've been through too much in my life where I've seen hard times. I've been through tough, tough situations where I needed God. <clears throat> if I didn't have God, then I wouldn't have made it through. So those mm -hmm. situations, which I call a wilderness, those things, they got me to a place where no matter what it is I've been faced with, man, I just know that God is going to bring me through. I mean... Yeah, I remember. I remember having times where um, I didn't have any food um, in the house, and then you know, through certain means that were provided out there, and one of them being um, churches that had food, I, I was able to get food. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I mean, I've been in situations like that when I was unemployed and laid off and stuff like that, and um, so. I do know what it feels like to be in a situation like that. Thank God I've never been homeless, but I do know yeah. hardship. You know what I'm saying? I know hardship, and I know what that's like, and I also know what it's like to trust God in the midst of it. So mm -hmm. um, the one thing I feel like this is, you know, this can be also used for is the development of the faith of those that have not been through something tough enough for them to actually have to trust God, you know? Yeah. Um, wow. Sometimes that's what it really comes down to. Yeah. Wow. No, that's really, really good. That's a really, really incredible, you know, incredible good point. That's really, really good. And I think that's, man, that's why I'm so excited, you know, because I, when, you know, when it's crazy because me and Leviticus, we were talking about this and we were both talking about this situation with excitement and because it's like that's that's the privilege, kind of like you said, when you've been through trials and you realize what comes out at the end, you actually get excited when they show up because you you realize that they're the doorways to your next level of faith. They're the doorways to your next level of blessing, your next level of, of understanding the anointing of Christ and walking in a deeper level of, of communion with God. They, they really are doorways, and I think that's something that we as believers have to constantly remember, have to constantly remember and to, and to put that on, that mindset saying, wow, God has just allowed me another opportunity to actually become um, become more faithful, to, 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 to get a new level of provision, to get a new level of blessing, to get a new level of help. And... Oh man, so like this is this is this is occasion for us to rejoice if we understand it. Like it is really an occasion for rejoicing because everything that we're trusting in, everything that we've been leaning on and relying on is literally being snatched right from under us 
And so now God is saying, okay, let me show you how I operate now. You know, let me show you what it is I can do now. Because y'all have been doing it this way for so long, but now it's time for me to step in and really demonstrate my great love and my great power. And so um, this is definitely an occasion of rejoicing, an occasion of celebration. I mean, we're not celebrating death, obviously, but we're celebrating the, the greatness of God and the faithfulness of God um, to really show himself to us and to the world in this hour. So um, I'm excited. I think a lot of things are going to happen. It's crazy because um, just a few uh, few days ago, the Holy Spirit just started speaking to me um, about um, about like the year of Jubilee. And it was just something to the extent of, and I'm not like making like a definite prophecy, like in, you know, like Sean Bowles, but I'm just saying that I sense that this is totally a season where God is about to, he's about to cancel debt. He's about to cause so much stuff that's been, that's been trailing on people's accounts to fall off. And he's going to release favor to people in this season, in this hard time. He's going to release supernatural favor to people. And, um, we're going to be really shocked at what God does out of this. Now, that doesn't mean it's not going to be trials because I, I honestly believe, and I heard a lot of believers say that things are going to get worse. And, um, you know, um, and I definitely agree it probably could, you know, probably will before it gets better, right? But even in the midst of that, I, be- I believe that the favor of God, and especially at the end of this too, is going to be released in such an incredible way. And I'm believing that at least me and myself and 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 believers who are latching on to this, they're going to come out and they're going to look nothing like they did before going in. And so I'm just excited about that. <laughs> You know, yeah, um, man, it's a lot to be excited about. I remember. So here's the thing that bothers me about situations like this: the media is always using fear tactics. Mm-hmm. They're always blowing stuff out of proportion. They're always making it sound worse than it is. I mean, it's 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 you know, it's rare that you can even get them to talk about anything good anyway. And when they got right. something like this, they're just magnifying it. They just make it sound horrible like it's just the end of the world every time. It's always the end of the mm-hmm. world the way they talk about it. You know, and that's why to a degree, you know, whether you like them or not, I do like the fact that um, President Trump was trying to calm people down and trying to let them know it's not as bad as, you know, you people think it's not that bad. We just need to do certain things to keep it under control. And I like that approach to it because I feel the same way. You know, when you think about the whole world as a whole, I mean, there's 7.8 billion people on the planet approximately. If a hundred and something thousand people have died, that is a very small portion of the overall population of the earth. And the bottom line is, more people than that die of stuff other than coronavirus daily. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just the fact. It's the way it is. And so the thing is, is that, um, like, and this goes to something that one of my daughters said. My daughter asked me one day um, a couple weeks ago. She said, um, are we going anywhere public today? And this was like, because she asked me, did I hear about the corona situation? I'm like, yes, I've heard about it. 
I know about it. And then she was like, are we going anywhere public today on this day? And I was like, listen, anytime you go outside of your house, you're going in the public. So, yes, you are going in the public. <laughs> and then I said, not only that, but um, you don't have anything to worry about. And I was telling her about how few cases there are in America overall yeah and i talked about the percentage of them compared to how many people actually live in america and i said you know there's nothing for you to be concerned about don't walk in fear god is not giving you the spirit of fear but of power love and a sound mind and so the one thing about us as parents those of us who are parents you need to speak life into your children. You need to speak faith into them, especially during this time, because you can't allow them to go running away with the fear that other people are running around with. There's nothing to fear. Yeah. They need to just walk in faith. They need to walk as a son or daughter of God. That's it. And so yeah. um, it's, it's going to be especially important for parents to speak faith into their children right now because the children typically are going to follow the way that the parent is acting or the way that the parent is is dealing with the situation. They're going to follow suit. And so yeah. that's the reason why it's going to be up to the parents to be more, you know, showing forth faith and, and, um, and strength and courage and all that during a time like this, you know. Um, that's just the way it yeah. is. And, you know, um, I was listening to um, someone, I think it was Chris Ballatin, and he was talking about the difference between fear and, and I mean, no, faith and being courageous. And he said, being mm. courageous does not mean that you don't feel fear. It just means that you're not going to allow fear to overtake you. And so yeah. you can walk, you can have fear around you, you can be tempted to be fearful, but you don't give in to it because of the courage that God gives you. So if you are one of those people that's dealing with the temptation to fear right now, don't allow that fear to overtake you. See, here's the thing. Um, yeah. And I'm not saying that this is what's going on right now either, but I'm just using a biblical principle to show people something. If you look in the book of Revelation, it talks about how it says the woman was being taken care of in the wilderness. Mm. Now, that that woman is the church. And for her to be taken care of in the wilderness is showing you that no matter what it was looking like around her, she still had her provision. She was still yeah. being taken care of divinely. And when we think about the Israelites, they were in the midst of a wilderness for 40 years. And, yes, we know the reason why they were in the wilderness for 40 years was not necessarily a good thing, but at the same time, it was, uh, it was a time period that God was trying to stamp out fear, stamp out, you know, uh, anything that was not reflective of him because he knew where he was taking them and he knew what he was taking them out of. So he was taking them out of slavery, out of a certain mindset of poverty and those kind of things to try to now bring them into a state of, oh, we're going to have more than enough. We're going to have provision. We're going to have wealth, all these kinds of things. But, you know, yeah. when you even think about some of the things that God said to the children of Israel when they were in the wilderness, and one of the things he said was, I have given you power to get wealth. So even though yeah. they were in the wilderness, 
even in the wilderness before they even hit the promised land, he was saying, I've given you power to get wealth. Now, that to me, and I never thought about it until this moment, by the way. I just realized that when he said this, they were in the wilderness. So what was it about that experience and that time frame that would have made God say that to them when they were in the midst of the wilderness where they were not digging for gold or oil or silver or whatever? All they had was the provision that was given to them through Egypt and whatever else they accumulated along the way. So mm-hmm. my thing is, what was he really trying to show them? That even in the midst of the worst type of situation for where they came from to where they were now, because even though, and this is where it's kind of like, um, I'm going to call it a, it's somewhat of a dichotomy in a way, because it's like mm-hmm. on the one hand they were free, they were no longer slaves, and now they were headed to a place that was going to be flowing with milk and honey. But at the same time, they were in the in-between place. And in that in-between place, they were relying on miracles. They were relying on the supernatural. Now, when you think about that, it's like, okay, so it's it's like, so in the midst of a, a, a situation where things are seemingly tougher, or whatever, it's also better than where you were. So people that are going through this coronavirus situation right now need to realize that it might have been, it might be kind of tough right now, but it's still better than where you were. Yeah. You were taken out of a certain place to go to a certain place. And in the midst of even some of the worst situations, because I've even, I kind of was looking into this some time ago about Israelites, how they were facing some bad situations, but in the midst of that, they would still be prospering some kind of way. I mean, it's just crazy, like, what God was doing for them, even in the midst of those tough situations. So um, I'm just saying all that to say that we have to we have to look at this situation um in a way of <clears throat> God preparing us for something. He's preparing us for yeah. something better. You know, he's preparing us for a higher level. When you go through a pruning, when you go through a um cutting back, it's for you to get more. That's what it's always right. for. It's always for more of. What does that mean? More of him, more of provision, more of the power of God in your life, more of love, more of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit in your life, all those kinds of things. This kind of yeah. situation is supposed to produce more fruit in your life. And so that's how mm-hmm. we have to look at it. Look at this as a pruning to the believers for them to go to that next level because all of us are in it. And even though yeah. we're in it, there's still there's still God's provision in the midst of that. And so, um, and then when I think about the situation, like, for instance, Daniel. Daniel was a prophet in the midst of, you know, an evil kingdom where his people were enslaved. But in the midst yeah. of that, he had favor with the king. And he was put in a position of authority and also uh, prominence, even in the midst of that. 
and then he was yeah. at a point where he could speak certain things into the life of the king and whatnot. So here was, even in the midst of what was going on with the people as a whole, he was doing well, he was excelling and all that, and he was in a prominent position. And I'm going to say this to all those that are listening. Look at this as a moment where God could be setting you up to put you in a prominent position like that. Put a position where you will have the answer that the people are looking for. I mean, look at Joseph. He was in jail. He was a slave. He was, you know, taking care of Potiphar's house. And then all of a sudden at the end, right before he got exalted, he was in the worst place he could have been in for himself, which was jail. And in the midst of jail, he was still leading, still organizing, still kind of like you could call him the man, so to speak, in that situation. He made the best of it. But then when the time came, God elevated him to be the second in charge of the whole country. Now think about yeah. that. When have you ever heard, other than in the, in the situation of Nelson Mandela, <laughs> when have you ever heard of somebody going from jail to the leader of the country? You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's crazy, right? So, yeah. So anyway, that's, that's a few of the things that, you know, I just want to remind people of that, yes, we are all experiencing the same thing, uh, the same circumstance, rather. But in the midst of the circumstance, and I don't want to make people angry by saying this, but I got to say it. While some people are suffering and some people are poor and more impoverished than they were when it started, others are prospering and richer than they were when it started. I mean, yep. prime example, look at the four senators that were caught having sold all their stock before it went down bottom or whatever, bottomed out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like stuff like that. They had inside information, and they sold their stock. Now they, they, you know, they made out in that way. They didn't lose a bunch of money like other people who didn't know the inside information. And that's the reason why, I mean... <laughs> I know that I, I heard it somewhere. I don't know if this is something that's actually in the talks or anywhere because really for it to be in the talks anywhere, they would, that would mean I think that those that are actually running the federal government would have to be okay with it and pass a law to actually prevent themselves from being able to get inside of trade secrets and not be judged like everybody else would be judged for inside of trade secrets. So yeah. anyway, the point I'm making in this is that, you know, this is a time, and it's times like this throughout history, which is why, you know, for those that hated history when you were in school and everything, this is one of the reasons why it's important to know and understand certain things about history. Because in history, yeah. we can see certain things being repeated time and time again. And, yeah, there was a depression in America in the 30s. But look what ultimately yep. happened in America. You know, it's also, if you, if you know history, during the time of war, that's when America seemed to prosper even more. Now, what's the war we in now? We're in the war against coronavirus. What's about to happen? A company or a few companies are about to start producing masks like never before, medicine like never before, all this kind of stuff to fight this problem. So that means people are going to be in a better position. I remember hearing that Amazon was supposed to be hiring 100,000 more people to work. 
So who's who? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like there are people that are definitely suffering, but there are definitely people that are prospering and doing better. So now it's a, the thing. The thing is, you know, in times like this, is like it always makes people who are looking to do better to find out. Okay, what is the next thing that's coming out? What is the next thing that's coming to the surface? What is the next thing that's mm-hmm. going to make people prosperous? You know, how can I put myself in a position to do better? This is one of those situations where it's like time to really seek God and say, okay, God, where can I go to find that oasis that's in the midst of the wilderness, in the desert? Yeah. What do you have to say to that, Justin? No, that's absolutely the same page I've been on. And what I've, you know, what I've tried to tell people is that it's, <laughs> it's crazy because, like, and it's something you said earlier where you said that um, the situation that people were in before was worse than what they're in now. You know, this this situation may be harder, but it's, it's better. And I honestly believe that that is so true because it was crazy. At the beginning of this year, um, I began to tell people, I told a couple people close to me, I said, this is honestly, I know this is the year of entrepreneurship and small businesses and, and starting. And God is about to really, really, really prosper a lot of startups and a lot of new businesses. So it's time for people to really start walking in entrepreneurship. And then it's just, just crazy that this all happened. And now you see a lot more people working from home, looking for other sources of income, looking for other avenues of entrepreneurship. And I think that this is just an amazing time for really, for people to really consider like online business, to really consider, um, you know, uh, digital marketing and, and, and just other, you know, and it's, uh, it's other avenues you can do and take. But now it's kind of like, okay, what can I do now? And then people, and then if you really look at it, like you said, like I'd rather make money in my sleep with an online business than have to, you know, wake up and go to a nine to five. And people wouldn't normally think like that because they think of the security and the comfort mm-hmm. of where they were. But actually, it's a form of slavery. And I mean, if you got to do it, you know, for a while, you know, you just got to do it. You got to do what you got to do. But like in the long run, you're actually just going in a cycle, in a cycle with a nine to five. And so, you know, that that's definitely a powerful word. Um, of just being in a better position now. There's never been a better time to consider an online business and to consider online modes of income. Um, and um, that's something I've been really trying to get into recently. And just, it's just funny because it's like, it's just business as usual. I'm like, I'm still working from my computer, still, um, you know, working from home, still doing everything just the way it was before. So it's just... It's just, it's just, it's just amazing. But anyway, yeah, yeah, man. So, um, you know, uh, and by the way, for those that are listening, pardon any background noise you might be hearing. We're also uh, doing teleconferencing as as far as the show is concerned, and so there might be some slight background noise that you might hear that we don't normally have in the show. But please overlook that. Um, so, yeah, you know, sorry, I just want to... I'm not at home right now. Oh, okay, yeah. So, I wanted to, um, I wanted to bring up something else. 
kind of in line with what we've already been talking about. God uses situations like this to open up our eyes to other opportunities, to other avenues, to things that we weren't thinking about before. And the thing about it is when we take the time to sit down with God and meditate and say, you know what, Lord, what is this an open door for for me now? What am I to do now at this moment? I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and I said, you know, one of the big things nowadays is uh, cybersecurity, you know. And um, one of the things that um, I was listening to about, um, it was was, uh, Bethel. Bethel was talking about how they have an IT program that's affiliated with their – it's affiliated with their, uh, what you call it, their school of ministry, and um, it's allowing people to learn IT skills. Yeah. Sorry, man, I had to cut that out because there was a, <laughs> there was a, um, siren in the background is just getting louder and louder as we're getting close to me. Um, yeah, um, so they have a school where they're actually um, they're actually helping people to get into IT field, and I think it's like a two-year program where they walk them from, from A to Z, and at the end of it, they're getting jobs, and um, they said something about an 85% um, job placement rate so far, and uh, they've been working with companies like Apple and so forth wow. and whatnot. And it's been interesting because it's like while they're working with these companies, they're putting people in place who, in the future, could actually have a voice. You know, as they become more proficient at their job and everything, and um, and then they become someone that people actually go to for advice or whatever the case may be. And now those people can be a light in the midst of the darkness, and they could be the ones that have wisdom and all that for the craft that they're in to be able to, you know, cause people that are in above positions to say, wow, man, we need more people like them, you know, whatever. And um, so I just thought that that was really clever. I mean, the church has to really be thinking beyond, you know, things that we've, you know, thought about in the past where it's like, you know, um, where you find that people, they kind of tend to always be behind the times. The church has been behind the times so many times throughout history. It's ridiculous. But there was a time when the church was ahead of times. And I can go back to the 1800s when it was Christians who started universities and stuff like that in America. It was a Christian who started Harvard. It was a Christian who started um, certain other universities in America that are now called Ivy League schools. Well, what made them an Ivy League school? And what the heck does that mean anyway? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I don't even know what that really means, Ivy League. It's supposed to be something so special. But the point is that Christians started these places, and they're the ones that were teaching our youth at one point in time. And they were the ones that were raising up scientists and doctors and all that kind of stuff. And see, one of the things that a lot of people fail to acknowledge is that Christians, a lot of Christians are the ones that we celebrate who were scientists 
who came up with certain um, theories and equations and all kinds of stuff that we use to this day. But yet you find that there's a lot of people in science that want to denounce God and they want to talk about their atheists and all this kind of stuff. And God has nothing to do with science and, you know what I'm saying, show it to me scientifically. You know, you know it's just nonsense. But anyway, my point was that um, these organizations were started by Christians. And so the point that we should all get out of this is that God uses us, especially when it comes to times like this, to shine. He has us in certain strategic positions to shine on his behalf. That doesn't mean going beating people over the head with Jesus at your job. That doesn't mean that. What it means is that you, through your excellence and what you do on your job, will cause people to come to you and say, what is it about you, man? You always have the answer. You always do this or whatever, you know. They could be coming to yeah. you like, man, what is your secret? And then that's when you can drop the bomb on them. Yeah, well, I serve Jesus. <laughs> I get the secrets from the Holy Spirit, you know. That's how that goes. And then people will want to listen to you at that point because they're like, man, well, there must be something because you always seem to come up with the answer to the problems and this, that, and the third, and people listening to you, people coming to you for the advice and blah, blah, blah. So you need to, we all need to strive to be that kind of person wherever we are and whatever field we're in. And so, again, when we look at history, things have shifted during times like this. Um, there was a there was the industrial revolution at one point in time. Well, the industrial revolution died. Now it's the information revolution, you know. Um, and we are now in a time where it's all about technology, all kinds of technological stuff. And right now, it would be great if there were believers, more believers involved in technology. Um, there's a lot of other things that are good as well, other industries. So I'm not trying to say, and, and nor, nor is uh, Justin trying to say, oh, we need to all be doing technology or anything. That's not what it comes down to. But what we're, say what we're saying is that this is time for us to rethink some things and to really reevaluate what we're doing and, and what we can do with what it is that we've been given, especially in this opportunity where we're able to, you know, pretty much um, – pretty much take another look at some things and see if God wants to take us on a different direction. I mean, I've been in moments of my life and, uh, you know, where I had to rethink what was I doing with my life? I had to rethink, okay, where am I going? What, what should I do next? You know, I, I remember I was in a situation where I was at this one job and it wasn't going anywhere. I could tell it wasn't going anywhere, and I wasn't happy there. I was miserable. I was doing it because that was what God provided at the time for my provision. But I wasn't happy. I wasn't, I wasn't fulfilled there or anything like that. I was doing it because I had to do that at the moment. But at the same time, I came to a point where I was like, okay, let me start looking to see what else is out here for me to do that I can do? And so I started looking around, and I found something else I put in for it. And it turned out that uh, during that season, I actually was applying for several jobs. and um, But I remember not being, like, in a frenzy. I was more so, like, I probably applied to about 
10 places, maybe 20 max, something like that. And um, I was just, like, seeing what bit. Basically, it was like fishing to me. And one thing led to another. All of a sudden, I heard about this one thing from some guy that was a friend of my friend. And um, that sparked me going in a direction. And that was a direction that ended up getting me a job. And it was only several months later that I started, you know. So, but the point is, is that, you know, I had to relook, reevaluate some things in my life and say, okay, what is it that I need to do next? And so at this point in time, at a time like this, this is a time for all of us as believers and, um, you know, people in the world just to say, hey, God, I know you have something for me. What is it now? And then let him show you what it is. What would you think about that, Justin? Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Um, it was at the end of uh, 2017 that um, uh, I lost my job while I was working, and it put me in a it put me in a place where I really had to say, "Okay, God, you know, I really, I really, it really exposed the secrets of my heart because." For so long, I thought that I had been trusting in God, and then God showed me that I really had trust in my job. It's not that I trusted him. It was that I trusted my, you know, my bank account, my income, and my, my paycheck. But then I really started to understand what it meant to live by faith and to, you know, give us this day our daily bread. You know, it's like today, I'm, I'm going to need your help this day, every single day, day after day after day, and relying upon God daily for provision for spiritual and natural provisions. And then you start to learn that, that it's actually the goal of each day is for God to actually release a word inside of you that's going to guide you and to bring you to the place where you're being a blessing and you're receiving the blessings that God has for you in each day because it's just so amazing. And um, if you think about like Moses was he was, when he was in the, in the wilderness with the children of Israel, and you you kind of brought this up, but like he went up on the mountain. A lot of people don't know, you know, but we know, you know, he fasted for 80 days. And then I was just thinking about that. It was the same passage of the wilderness that God says, man lives not by bread alone. And I think that's the revelation God really wants to get us to as the sons of God, you know, whether you're male or female, we're the sons of God. Like as the sons of God, the bodies in our life's first source of life and provision is not natural food. It's not even air or water or, or any of that stuff. It's actually the presence of God. And and Moses was able to survive up there for 80 days without natural provision, but yet his body was full of glory when he came down, and that's because the body was made for the Lord. That was that's that's the key. That's the secret. If we understand that the purpose of our life is to literally to be filled with God every moment of our day and to look like him, then we start to understand, okay, these provisions aren't a goal. I'm not it's not my goal to get the provisions. The provision is actually a tool for something that God wants to manifest through. That's the goal of everything. That's the goal of my life. And so I, you know, that's definitely a 
um, powerful what you said, and, and just us, it, it's just reconsidering, like, what are we really attached to? What's most important to us? Because if, I mean, you know, having, if having these material things is what's most important to us, then this is a perfect time to really consider, okay, let me go back to the fundamentals. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else. Every single thing else will be added to you, you know, because when we search it the other way around, we think we're attaining things, but they're really being subtracted from us because they're taking from us who we are, our identity, our freedom, our time, our joy, our sleep, and all of this stuff, it just steals it away from us. But when we seek the kingdom of God, it adds something to us. You know, it adds something of value because we didn't value that most above all. We value God and his presence, and, and, and we richly enjoy every single thing. And that's why I love what you said, like re- people realizing what it is God has placed before them. That was something that Paul said where he said, you know, um, being rich is not what makes you godly, he said, but being godly with contentment is actually what makes you rich, you know. And then he says, because God has given us richly all things to enjoy. And I think that's such a powerful thing we need to do every day, and especially in this season, is how richly can I enjoy every little thing God has given me, every relationship, every person, every resource, every every single thing that I have, regardless of what I don't have, what I think I still need. How can I enjoy to an even deeper level the things that God has given me? Can I be more thankful for them? Can I have more fun with them? Can I invest more time, more energy into the little things that God has given me without being worried and overwhelmed by what I, what I haven't received yet? You know, I think that's a powerful, a powerful thing um, that um, is going to just bless a lot of people. In this, yeah, so... Yeah, man. You know, um, <clears throat> I guess I, I wanted to also use this time to encourage people that are facing layoffs, facing uh, unemployment, um, lack of food, shelter, whatever the case may be. I don't have, uh, I don't know exactly what's going on in your life, obviously. And um, I'm not going to say I have a cookie-cutter answer for everyone either. But at the same time, I know what God has done in my life, and I know that God is no respecter of persons, like he said. That means that if you are a son or a daughter of God, and that is the bottom line, a son or a daughter, if you are one of those then God has given you promises that you have to invoke in your life. Promises like, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. Promises like, he daily loads us with benefits. Promises like, give us this day our daily bread. Those are things that are promises that God has put in his word for us. You know, and the thing that to really, really think about is the the provision is for the day. There are times when, you know, people are thinking about, you know, well, 
I only have enough for today. But the question is, what did God promise you? Did he promise you enough for today, tomorrow, and the next week? Or did he say mm. for today? That's the yeah. reason why faith is so important because faith is, you know, what needs to be activated when it comes to us, you know, I guess our expectations because yeah. we're looking at right now and we're saying, okay, I only have enough for now. Okay, good. You got enough. <laughs> In America, especially among many other countries, we are too spoiled over here where people think, you know, they don't have a week's worth of food in their in their uh, refrigerator or something like that. Something is wrong, you know. They got to yeah. have at least a oh, week's wow. worth or, or more, you know. Got wow. food all up the wazoo in the freezer and all that, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like, it's more than enough to go around. See, you can feed multiple families with what you got. But when they don't have that, wow. now all of a sudden they start worrying. And I'm yeah. going to tell y'all something real. I'm going to tell y'all something really real. When the Israelites were in the wilderness, they weren't getting filet mignon. They weren't getting <laughs> some nice, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I want to say um, <laughs> Mao Zedong duck or whatever. Like, I, I'm just making up words. But anyway, you know, Peking duck, you know, they weren't getting that. They were getting, they got bread from heaven called manna. Mm -hmm. They got, some, at one point they did get quail. But I think for most most of their trip, you know, they weren't getting, they weren't just flowing in all this kind of good food or whatever. And, you know, a mm -hmm. lot of the animals that they had with them, you know, at the same time, they were sacrificing those animals to the Lord. Yeah. I'm not saying that they didn't eat some of them. I'm just saying. The point is, is that, you know, they they got to a point where they were complaining about stuff and God was upset with them for complaining like they did. We all fall yeah. into it. So it's not a, this isn't a thing <laughs> where I'm trying to say, I ain't never complained before. I'm not even going to lie. Yeah. I know I've complained. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. the one thing that I've seen is that throughout all the situations, and this is what I always remind people of when they talk about their provision or lack thereof. And I say, are you still alive? And they'll be like, yeah. And I'm, I'm like, and how old are you? <laughs> and when they tell me their age, I'm like, so that's that many years that God has made sure you stayed alive, huh? Yeah. And then it kind of changes the way they look at their situation. Somehow, some way, God kept you alive. He kept you here. Even that person that's mm -hmm. homeless on the street is still alive. Yeah. They're they're alive to be homeless. I'm just saying, you know, they they are still yeah. alive. They might still be homeless, but they are alive. So they right. do have a chance to get into a better situation. And they right. also have gotten provision to stay alive. Yeah. So this will yeah. this is an, an opportunity for us to even shift our focus to shift the way that we look at our situations, to say, you know what, let me see the blessing that's going on in the midst of this. This is a time where yeah. we can evaluate. And then, you know, like 
I'm one of those kind of people that <clears throat> sometimes when I was in those tight situations, I started looking around myself. And I started looking at my house and looking at things that I own and stuff like that. And I said, wow, yeah. I have some nice stuff in here. <laughs> I might not be in the best situation, but look at the stuff that God has blessed me with over time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I'm like, for me to complain, that's kind of like saying, God, you haven't done enough. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, yeah. so I have to almost like, you know, have those periodic moments where I slap myself. And I say, wake up. Right. Look at what you got. Look at what's going on around you. <laughs> Look at how God yeah. has kept you alive, how he's kept you provided with a vehicle, with a job, with, with money, with food, with whatever. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've had all those kind of things. I remember the time when, you know, um, this is a, 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 I'm trying to encourage those that are listening because they don't really know a lot about stuff that you or I have been through. So this is a good moment for us to kind of open up to them and be a little more transparent. But um, there was a yeah. point in time not, not long ago. It was probably, um, we're looking at about eight years ago almost. Uh, seven, it's seven years ago, approximately seven years ago. Um, I was literally... Uh, technically, let's say it like that, I was technically homeless. Um, I had just <laughs> lost my house uh, to a foreclosure, and right before I lost it, in my mind, I was like, where the heck am I going now? So yeah. I didn't know where I was going to live or anything, but what I knew was that when I got into that situation, the Lord dropped a name in my spirit. There was a name of an elder at the church that the Lord dropped in my spirit. And I contacted that mm -hmm. elder and told him what was going on. And that elder got me in touch with a lady who owned a place that was like a halfway house. And um, she was a Christian and whatnot. And so I went and met with her. And when I met with her, she said... So if you um, come live here, you know there's certain rules that we have here and whatnot. I'm not going to put you under all those rules because I realize you're not like the other guys that come here because the kind of guys that were coming to that place were from the jails and or from drug mm. situations. So they were going through programs and stuff like that. So they had to be under some type of discipline, so to speak. And so right. they had to be in by a certain time. They couldn't have certain things, certain things like that. So it was, they had restrictions. But she was saying to me, right. you're not going to be under those same restrictions because you're not like the rest of the guys. But she told me, she said, but what I do need for you to do also is I need for you to be someone that's going to minister to these guys because they don't know, they don't, they're not like you and they don't have the same kind of background that you do. And you can come in here, you can encourage them, you can cause them mm. to really feel, you know, like, you know, to, to understand the word. You can teach them the Bible and whatnot because I want them to have Bible studies on certain nights. And I would like for you to do that for me as part of you staying here. And I gladly accept it. Did I like that situation? No, I didn't. Thank God yeah. that even though I was in that situation, I didn't have anybody, you know, the rooms were limited. 
but thankfully I didn't have to worry about anybody sleeping in my room with me. I had the room right. to myself, which was a blessing. Um, and then on top of that, <clears throat> you know, I was able to put most of my stuff in storage anyway when I moved. So I only brought like clothes, the bare necessities to that place. And, um, but three weeks after moving in there, well, first of all, while I was there, I, I, I met someone that had a powerful testimony that I ended up, you know, later on interviewing on the podcast. His name is um, James. And uh, he was on a podcast not too long ago. Um, and uh, anyway, I was I met him while I was there. And then there were some other people I met there that, you know, whose lives I impacted through what I was doing. And so the point is that had I not been there, that wouldn't have happened. Those things would not have happened. I wouldn't have met James. I wouldn't have been in a situation where I could impact the lives of others. So in the midst yeah. of that situation, it wasn't the most ideal circumstances, but it was a situation that allowed me to be a light and to meet people that I otherwise would not have met. Right. So those are the kinds of things that can happen sometimes when you're going through a situation like that where it's tough. You you, you put in a situation that you never thought you'd be in. Um, I remember that, you know, when it came to eating, you know, um, we were all like kind of like eating some of the same food or whatever. Certain people would take turns cooking and stuff like that and whatnot. And, um, but I remember being in a situation thinking, you know, I was running out of unemployment. I was unemployed at the time. My unemployment was running out and I, you know, I had some things happen that God allowed to happen to then bring more provision into my life. And they were not the best situations, you know. They were not the best situations, but they were situations that allowed me to have provision during that time. And then three weeks later, a brother from the church was like, hey, man, you can come live with me rent-free. Don't worry about no bills. Uh -huh. Just come. And I was able to stay there. And then when um, that was coming to an end, because of, you know, something he and I already agreed upon. Um, then I was in a situation where I was, like, facing homelessness again, and it ended up that um, I went back to the same elder, or it might have been somewhere else, and then, I you know, he put it out there to some people, and, um, and then next thing you know, I had a guy calling me up. He was like, hey, man, you can come live here rent-free as long as you need, basically. And um, so that was God, again, provided for me in a way that I didn't even expect. And I ended up going to this house that typically was all to me with when he wasn't, you know, because he would only come maybe one or two days a week. But for the most part, I was living there by myself. And so mm -hmm. it was, again, God providing for me in a way that I wasn't expecting, man. So... I'm trying to say that to people that are out there who are needing encouragement. And by the way, when just, uh, just around the time when it was coming to the end of me being with that brother that, that I stayed with after three weeks in the, um, the halfway house or whatever, that's when I got another job. And that job uh, was paying decent money. And I ended up starting that job and, 
that was um I found the job, I got the job in December, which was the end of the time frame that I was gonna be with that brother, and then I started it in January. So it's like everything just flowed right in line, man. It just came right at the right time. And so yeah. I just want people to realize that in the midst of what could be your worst situation that you've ever faced, God has ways that you do not even know of to be, to yeah. take care of you. But you have to, first of all, um, take the time, slow down, listen to the Lord, seek the Lord, find out what he would have you to do. And I'm going to tell you, like, the way that God was speaking it to me, again, it was like I knew what I was faced with, and then all of a sudden a name dropped in my spirit. And I would know to call that person or get in touch with them. Hmm. And that's what I did. Yeah. And then that would lead to me <clears throat> getting to the next point, you know. So I just hope that that encourages those that are listening because that's that was what I was trying to do. Um, again, because I know that this coronavirus crap is um, stirring up a lot of things and it's also causing things to, um, you know, uh, just be stirred up, and um, I just want to make sure people are, you know, being encouraged during this time, you know, um, and no matter what it is you, you're facing, um, God has a way to bring you out. Yeah. Anything yeah, else but... you want to say, Justin? Um. No, I mean, I got tons of testimonies like that, man, but um, it's just, yeah, this is definitely amazing. But it was one thing you said earlier, which I just wanted to um, maybe say a little bit more on, was that just claiming the promises of God, I think that's so, so, so important. And I would just encourage believers to really lock in to the Word of God um, because, oh, man, it's like... Uh, it's kind of like we were saying earlier, like every single area of your life, every season of your life has a promise for it. Like there's never, there's never any situation that comes into our life that doesn't have a promise attached to the end of it. God doesn't even allow a trial into our life um, without giving, first giving us a promise that we can latch on to and, and, and that will bring us through the end of that situation. And just, this, this was like a, um, this kind of given a, a real life example. This is, this happened. Um, well, actually it was something that happened a few weeks ago, uh, uh, a few weeks ago where I was planning to go in Ohio, you know, and visit Larry Amanda and um, we're not visiting friends. And, um, um, it, I started to get worried. The week of that I was supposed to leave that weekend, I started to get worried. Like at the beginning of the week, and I was about to decide not to go because I'm like, that's a long trip and it's going to be gas, and I'm already don't really have enough money to pay my bills right now. So I should just try to you know put in some more work, you know, instead of going out of town, you know, what I think I'm doing. I don't have the luxury to to, to go out of town. And God, He just convicted me because. He was like, why are you worried about all of that 
when I've been with you all this time? Why are you getting so concerned about that stuff? Like you can't make one of your hairs gray or <laughs> gray or black anyway, so why are you why are you getting so bent out of shape? And I was like, you know what? I was like, Oh, I just had to change my thing. I was like, you know, I was like, Yeah, bro, I'm still coming, you know, let's go. And I think it was that same week I was on um I was on Facebook Live and I was doing a teaching and I don't remember what the teaching was about. I think, yeah, I think it was on one of the parts of, yeah, it was on the armor of God. That's right. It was on one of the parts of the armor of God. And um, as I was live streaming at the beginning of the live stream, I got a notification on the top of my phone. It said such and such a person, I'm not going to disclose them, but it said such and such a person sent you $300 to pay your bills. And I'm like, hold up. I didn't tell this person anything about me struggling to pay my bills. I didn't say anything to anyone. But they had said that um, God had laid me on their heart for them to send me this money. And I'm like, that is just (laughs) just wild. It it was just just so amazing in confirmation because the scripture started coming to life. You know, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Everything else is going to be added to you. And I just started to understand that, like you were saying, like, that the word of God, like the promise of God is always going to come through. And you have to live by those things, think on those things, speak out those things, and continue to just grab hold of them, you know. And, and just another, one more thing is that we really do have to grab hold of the promises. And I'm using that terminology on purpose because I think a lot of people sit around with this mindset that whatever God wants to happen is going to happen. And that's absolutely not true. It's so many times in scripture where God says, I wanted to do this, but y'all were too hard hearted. Y'all were too hard headed. I would have done this, but you did this. It's, you know what I'm saying? Like I would have brought you the promised land in four days, but it took 40 years because y'all are so thick headed and stuff. So it's like the promise of God, the time of the promise of God is to an extent dependent upon our level of surrender and our level of obedience. And that you, you have to fight. For the, God promised the children of Israel the promised land. They still had to go in there and whoop some giant butts. They still had to man up and, and, and take authority and grab hold of those things. So promises don't give you the luxury to sit by. I mean, there are seasons where if God tells you to rest, you know, you best rest. But A promise doesn't mean it's going to come easily. You have to grab hold of it. You have to stand on it. You have to fight for it. You have to, you know, you have to, you have to do a a battle, you know, and and most of that battle is in our own hearts and our own minds and struggling against trusting ourselves or trusting God. And then the the warfare comes after that because it's like we, we need to realize that, the enemy is not going to let go of territory or ground easily. So we have to continue to be aggressive and, 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 and take the, the, the kingdom of God, you know, by force, the things that he's promised to us. We have to grab hold of those things and seize them because they are rightfully ours. So amen to you, bro, what you were saying. So, yeah. yeah, man, that's good, man. I think that, um, <clears throat> Overall, you know, the whole thing that the Lord wants us to bring out through this podcast is be strong in the Lord and be of good courage and just meditate on the word of the Lord day and night and you will make your way prosperous and have good success. 
those are the yeah. things that we need to think about and and to speak forth that God has provision in the midst of this time, and we just got to look for it and see where it is for now. Um, it always changes. It could be the ravens. It could be the brook. It could be, you know, the angel <laughs> cooking for you in the desert, wherever. You know, it could be any one of those. But just know that it will happen. And know that all yeah. you need to do is just speak forth what he says in his word. And um, he honors his word. He honors his yeah. word. So um, I just want us to, let's pray for those that are listening, man. Um, okay. We just, Father, we just come to you on behalf of those that are listening, those that are distraught, going through situations, going through trials, tribulations, facing layoffs, unemployment, lack of provision, all those kinds of things, Father God, that could be happening as a result of the coronavirus. And we, pr we pray, Lord God, that you would encourage them, that you would strengthen them, that you would lift them up, make them understand, Lord God, that you are with them. No matter what it is that's happening around them, no matter what it is that's happening in the world, Father God, that you have got their back. And, Lord God, all they have to do is just trust in you. Trust in you and decree what you have already said, that you've already put your stamp of approval on, and that they would just believe it, trust it, and move forward with that, with that knowledge, with that understanding, and with that confidence. Father, we decree and declare in the lives of your people, Father God, provision comes to them as they walk in faith. And, Lord God, we thank you that you are, where we are in agreement with you and your word on behalf of those that are listening. We are in agreement, Lord God, that you will provide for them in the midst of this situation, whatever they may be facing, that your provision will come in whatever way that you see is best for them. Lord God, pray that you strengthen them in their faith, that their relationship with you will grow stronger even in this time and that they will realize that you are with them wherever they go and whatever's going yeah. on in their lives, that you are with them. In the name of Jesus, we pray and we thank you. Thank you Amen. Amen. So Amen. thank you for listening again. What do you say? Oh, no, no, no. Go ahead. Thank you again for, for those that of, you, of you that are listening to the podcast. Um, if you didn't know, we have a new website now. You can go to our website at www.newnuma.com and check it out, see what we got going on there, subscribe to the, to the email list, you know, be a part of the family and everything, um, and see what else that we have going on on there that you might want to get involved in. We have forums where we have discussions that, you know, discussion topics, you know, um, we also have um, pages where you get to know more about myself and Justin. Um, we also talking about the podcast as a whole so you can understand more about the podcast and things of that nature. So it's a really cool site. We're still working on it. It's under construction for some of the areas, but uh, there's more things to come. But, you know, go check it out, see what you think about it, and, um, and hit on our uh, comments and, and suggestions page and let us know what you think. All right? We would definitely appreciate it. So once again, you've been listening to the New Numa Godcast. Thank you. We love you. Peace. Peace.